0: Hello friends. It's that magical time. Time to find your balls. Welcome to the Man-Made Podcast. My name is Jeff Stuckey. I apparently am quite the shaman, uh, which I'm pleased to report. And I am, as always, in the shotgun position. And along with me is my esteemed driver, who's grotesquely overqualified for
1: his role, (laughs) Greg Allen. Greg, how are you? Good, good. I am the Uh, other guy. guy. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's a, a, you know, a fun name, but uh, I'm just, I'm okay with that since we've gone international. I don't, I don't, I don't mind being the other guy on an international podcast. So I
0: I thought I dreamt that, but we, we did it. That's still true. We are Mm -hmm. international. Man, Mm -hmm. that is, uh, yeah, I guess I just want to say how the hell did that happen? Yeah. I have no idea. I don't even know how people get on it in the first place. So So I I suppose it would be a long overdue time to give a shout out to Eric and Justin. Oh, yeah. Who, of Speak and Tell Studios, they're awesome. Yeah. I got to work on my plug. Yeah, they make all the magic happen. Because otherwise, without Eric and Justin... You and I would be two guys sitting in a room talking like yeah anyway so Which that is a shout out doing. if you ever wanted to have a podcast and you were just afraid to take that step because you were just overwhelmed perhaps even daunted by the technological aspects how do I how do I put a podcast out there in the sea of podcast and be noticed speak and tell studios will make your dreams Come true! Wow, that's that wasn't a bad
1: recovery, was it? No, that was good. Even? That's good. I think we are now have paid advertising too. Sweet! I'm excited today to get another point of view. Well, uh, as promised from last week,
0: I uh, said I had a surprise for you, and I, you know, sometimes when it's convenient for me, <laughs> hold true to my word. <laughs> yeah. And this time it was actually convenient. So I've I've thought for some time, like okay, two guys just in here spouting off like they know what they're talking about, right? Like perhaps we could we could have a little input uh, from a different perspective. Okay, that's scary, but let's try it. Uh, don't be scared because you <laughs> deal with me regularly. Uh, that's true. And so a very dear friend of mine, Leslie, I often call her Lester for reasons I don't know why, but I think it's clever, so I say Lester. Um She and I have known each other for a while now. We both had a crush, of course mine was a man crush, on the same guy, and she won. I lost out on the guy, but I gained a friend, so (laughs) Leslie is joining us this evening. Leslie, welcome to the Man Made Podcast.
2: Hello, everyone. I'm glad we started off the bat knowing I was triumphant. (laughs)
0: you, you, you were the ultimate winner. That's right. And, uh, yeah. So, um, the, the reason that I thought Leslie would be a great addition is we just in our personal friendship frequently, is that an overstatement or that? I don't know. I don't want to overstate it, but.
2: Oh no. I I would say it's regularly. Absolutely. Okay. Don't see things
0: from the same perspective. (laughs) And I think what's fascinating, or what has been fascinating about that, is uh, she and I are both, you're a one on agreeability, right?
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so she's, a,
0: these are literal numbers. Okay. She's a one on agreeability. Right. I'm a zero. <laughs> yeah. And to give our listeners some perspective, <laughs> Greg Allen is a 3000.
2: <laughs> I paid somebody to tell me that, but.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just, it, it was part of the package for me. Uh, But both of us are very high on openness. And so that's just been an interesting dynamic. And one of the things that this is something that you and I've talked about in our relationship for me, because of my day job, because of probably just because I'm a dick, I don't always get the most honest feedback. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that in my conversations with Leslie over time has always been, she is no yes man, but... Because of that, being high on openness, always desire to get to a constructive resolution. Yeah. And uh, so that's why I thought she'd be a wonderful addition. She would provide that female perspective. So here she is. So Les, tell us, you've had some time to digest uh, some man-made podcast stuff. Give us your unfiltered thoughts.
2: All right. Well, you know, I hate to come in overly complimentary on day one, but I think I can at this point. I've, I've listened to every episode. I've listened to a couple of them more than once. I've introduced some people outside that I knew could take away from this. Some more willing than others, as I'm sure the listener base may be. Uh, but I think it's really great. I think you guys are giving people, I'm going to say their first set of tools, right? And some people knew they had to fix something. Some people didn't even know they needed to build something. But I think starting with self-awareness and kind of hitting this piece by piece, getting two different perspectives, I I think this is all really great. And I think this is something we need. For me, uh, you know, that soul bearing conversation, um, that's my love language. So I kind of fit into this and and I, I love to see it. I love to see what people can take away from this. And I hope they do. I, I hope people actually understand what you're doing and how you can better yourself and and where that can take you in your relationships, where that can take you, you know, whether that's your significant other, your friend, your parent, whatever that may be. I think laying it out on the table, the way you guys are, I think, I think there's a lot to be said for that. So I'm excited to see where you go.
0: Or she knows that we're <laughs> international. And she's just sucking up. Either way, though, well played, Leslie. Very well played. (laughs) So let me ask you for some. Our goal has been to. uh, I I really appreciate the way that you frame that in terms of giving giving tools, and some people didn't even need know they needed to have something to build. And our goal has been that men in general and have been plagued by sort of this alpha male, this like, you know, Marlboro man, whatever you will, big boys don't cry. And my hero is Mr. Rogers and has always been kind of my role model in all sincerity Uh, just because of his level of authenticity. So I guess one of the things that we have aspired to do is offer maybe a broader, more coherent, more realistic view of what it means to be a man. And I'm just kind of curious if you have... Any thoughts to that end of, hey, you guys are hitting the mark. Hey, you guys don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like any piece of that that you could speak to, I would be incredibly interested in your thoughts.
2: So I, I, I think there's always ups and downs in this, right? And, and what we're doing, I think I'm going to relay a little personal experience here. I hung out with a, a group of friends once upon a time, way back in, in college, and they were international. And the thing that I respected about this group of men from all over the world is they showed affection to one another. They supported each other. It was, um, they told each other they loved each other. They were there not just for the happy and angry, but for every emotion. So that was an eye opening experience for me because I had never seen anything like that before. And I think I've told you this story. It was just, it, it's something I mean, it, it was truly something to be a part of and see. And then you kind of take the reflection back of what if men in America could feel that same openness, or maybe the capacity to act that way and be supportive of one another. So I, I do think that it can be intimidating maybe to take on this. And I think one takeaway you could continue to give people which I've heard in the more recent episodes are, are steps, where do you start? even myself, I've heard a couple episodes and it's like, oh, you hit the mark, but, but where do you start? How do you build that? <laughs> it's a big experience. It's, it's a big undertaking to do something like that. So I think almost every point you've made, I, I think is spot on. But how do you do that? What's the next step?
0: Glad you asked. <laughs> For a limited time only. <laughs> <laughs> if you call now right now in the next 48 hours, um, it's and you know it's funny if I could piggyback off of the the story that Leslie was was talking about our international friends and there was a YouTube video that uh, for whatever reason we were watching uh, one weekend when we were hanging out and I got like totally weirded out by this video was like, okay this is this is one of the more, Disturbing, and it was just kind of a visceral reaction. It, what I didn't—it I, was not like a conscious thing. And then Leslie offered that perspective, which was relevant to the people that were that were in the video because of the they had come from more of an international uh, culture, and it transformed what that video was. It went from something that was almost or was off-putting to suddenly like. That's so fucking beautiful, and it put clearly on display how culturally we are removed from that. Where we don't, we've talked about this oftentimes. Where we don't, we don't physically, we're, we're, we don't physically, we don't emotionally support each other as men. And it was a, it was just a fascinating conversation. I really appreciated Leslie's perspective on that. So I know you have some more specific questions for Leslie. Jump in there, man. Yeah. Other guy.
1: <laughs> <The> other guy <laughs> speaking here. So <laughs> so that's telling me that it's it's come to your attention, Leslie, that guys are shaped a certain way, certainly here in America, the guys that we see, they're shaped a certain way. But maybe in another culture, those shaping forces aren't there, or they're a, a different way, you know, that encourage brotherhood or connection, vulnerability, closer relationships. So what we want to do with with Man Made is allow a guy to be his authentic self, to be who he is and, and recognize the forces that have shaped him and choose the ones that are good, but choose the ones that work for him. So I was wondering if you see that in man, like what sorts of things shape them that you think, well, that's a good thing, you know, something that restrains violence, <laughs> whatever forces shape that we need to keep that. <laughs> but there's other things like this thing being forced into this role of um, seeking success or like you always go through, in, through Jeff, the success, power and achievement kind of cycle or looking tough or, or whatever, you know, do, do you see how we're being shaped by forces that maybe aren't for our ultimate good? I, I just want your feedback on where do you see that shaping come from and how can we start realizing it.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I guess I, I guess first off, I i mean, I've obviously I have a lot of men in my life always have. and And I don't think it's any easy task because I think the way, you know, so many men are has it is a product of their environment. And when I hear what you guys are saying, I'm so welcoming of it and it's so exciting. But also I have, you know, the hesitancy of you know, are the men that need it most really going to be able to absorb or recognize that they need this? And how do you break through to that? I mean, you guys talk about, you know, not going to your significant other and treating her like mommy or whatever that may be, but but how do you get someone that you feel could benefit from this to sit down and recognize it or listen to it. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many shaping factors, obviously, in this. And I think a big part of it is our society, you know, and this is men and women, you know, we're, we're constantly being tunneled to work on getting the house of our dreams, the car of our dreams, being ultimately successful in, in our career. But I do think that there's a very clear path to that. I know what I need to do to be better every day at work. I know what I need to do to buy that that house or that car, but I don't know that we always know what to do in order to make ourselves better. And, And I don't think that you can ultimately be successful, not in the typical sense we all think of, or happy without kind of that full package. So I guess what I'm really excited to hear maybe along the way is, is how do you get those maybe that don't know that working on yourself is just, if not more important in your career and and working on your family or your relationships or whatever that may be how how do you get to that next step
0: oh i, I apologize greg i sense some confusion on leslie's part she was going to provide
2: that for us
1: i mean <laughs> we we know that problem What do Thank you think you. you're doing here leslie <laughs> I mean, like, you're the expert
0: where are these guys they need oh to like jesus <laughs> Wow. Okay. Anyway, uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, Next question, Greg?
1: (laughs) Well, let's at least acknowledge, yes, that's difficult. Number one, for a guy to notice that that's his problem, if you will. And second, once you know it, to find some other guys willing to enter into that relationship with you. And Jeff had mentioned before, he went through a couple dozen guys thinking like, hey, could we be friends like this? And after a meeting or two, it's like, no, there's no, not a good No, fit. we can't. <laughs> we, we cannot be friends like this.
0: And the other piece is, you know, it, it's, it's assimilating – it's almost like assimilating the palate. It's like we as men are so used to such a bitter, bland, emotional palate. And then when you try to start to introduce something like vulnerable emotions – which are, I don't know, well, for the sake of my analogy, the most decadent dessert, you know. But when you've only had just this bitter, bland palate, and then you're talking about, let's love and support each other, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, what the hell are you talking yeah. about? So it is. It is delicate, and I think that's I. What I really, really appreciate you saying, Leslie, is the the how needs to be much more, much more specific, much more dramatic, so that there is no there's there's no wiggle room there in terms of. Well, I don't really know what they're talking about, so fuck them. Um, <laughs> so that so that's that's very very helpful insight.
1: Now, if we did want to talk about how we uh, meet other guys that can actually be in that kind of committed relationship to experience more than just happy and sad, one way to do that is be in a relationship with somebody where you're focused on someone else. So like two guys working together to help out a third so that you're building the relationship, but it's not about either one of you. It's about someone else. So it kind of Well, like guys tend to talk, you know. We don't look at each other. (laughs) It's easy to talk and drive because we're looking at something different altogether. So it's like focusing on a third person and then build that relationship.
0: Is that true? Guys don't look at each other. They try not to. I'll come back to that, Leslie. Okay.
2: I I mean I think men already do that unknowingly. I mean I look at the fact of if a man is lifting something heavy or if a man needs help, it's just uh, the other one's never going to let him fall. It's just in task-oriented situations. So I think bringing that to the forefront of of doing it in the rest of your life and not just task-oriented situations. I I, I mean, I think all of you mean well. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. that may not be true, but I appreciate the benefit (laughs) of the doubt.
1: Yeah, (laughs) if part of your question was, how does a guy get started, That's part of the reason, or that is the reason for the podcast to give people little tidbits here and there. And we hope to give them an actionable item somewhere in there. It's probably buried pretty deep, but if they listen, they might. And I'm long winded, so that. Oh, boy. But anyway, these are two hour podcasts we cram into 38 minutes. So. (laughs) Got a
0: lot to say, man.
1: (laughs) I know. Uh, And as Jeff mentioned last time, there is the man-made course. That's like I said, that's like if a guy asks for some water and we're going to put the fire hose on him. So, but like you said, what would make a guy move off of the center and say, I'm going to go look for something for help? And which is,
0: and again, I think it goes back to part of that is just not overwhelming the palate too quickly. Oh, right, right. That, okay, that's a little weird, but I might be able to follow through on that. And being as realistic about what success looks like Mm -hmm. because we we touched on this a little bit in our um, Valentine's Day is Bullshit podcast talking about when you break out of the bullshit of Valentine's Day and you offer some part of yourself. God, that sounded woo-woo and a little (laughs) perverted all at the same time. (laughs) So apologies to the (laughs) listeners for that. Um, You know… She may be expecting the conventional, right? Yeah. The chocolates and the roses and all of that. And she may be like, this is what the fuck is, you know, that sort of thing. But you recognizing that you're offering that authentic piece of yourself Mm -hmm. and you validating that to the point that she starts to find some confidence in that.
1: Yeah. And that'd be a, take some time to do that. Yeah. And like you mentioned, you have to be prepared for the rejection and, and just keep moving. Yeah. Well, on that point, here's something I've been eager to ask, Leslie. Oh, this is Greg eager. <laughs> this is me. You can't Paul tell
0: eager. with voice intonations or body language. He has I'm ready to, for it. He has to actually announce it in words.
1: Yeah. Ready, Greg? Be yeah. eager. <laughs> so, like, we've mentioned this in several episodes, but the Valentine's Day one was probably the most obvious. So, guys, and... Sometimes I do this as well. You know, we put it on our wife to say whether we did a good job or not. Like with Valentine's Day, I did this for you, and I'm looking for you to validate that what I did was right. Now, I definitely want her input, but I don't want her to be the one that decides you're a good or bad boy, as Jeff says. So as much as give us your opinion (laughs) on how (laughs) you think you would respond (laughs) uh, to someone so taking that control, I don't know, that's the right word, taking control from you or at least not dumping that onus on you.
2: Well, I think I think to start with, I mean, if it comes to something specific like that, I think women are equally guilty. and, And something we do time and time again is we build up some unrealistic expectation in our head. Um, and whether that means gifts or services or, or whatever that is, we, we built up this expectation and unknowingly, you know, our significant other is trying to fulfill these expectations when say all end all, I think if we all kind of came to the table and we looked at 365 days of the year, or even let's call it, you know, 180, because it would still be a huge (laughs) step in the right direction that we came to the table and were supportive of one another, you know, in our day-to-day lives versus making outlandish gestures one day a year. Um, I I think ultimately we would be much more successful. Nobody wants to have to give that validation to their partner when it comes to those types of things. Um, I think there's, there's a place for validation, but I don't think it's within gifts or acts of service or anything like that. And I don't, even though we're equally guilty of that, I don't think we want that job. And we don't want you to be doing something from a place of looking for that validation. I think if it's not going to be something that's removed overnight, but I do think looking at that, acknowledging that as a couple and and moving through it would be a very healthy path. And I think in in the end would obviously be a lot more beneficial to tackle that in other ways.
1: That's great. We got one right. (laughs) I feel like I'm
0: violating our axiom here by asking this, but when you think about, and I appreciate the way you said it, it's like the absurdity of one day, like, one day, I love you. (laughs) Get the fuck away from me. So if a partner misses the mark, what does a woman want from that? Like what would be the appropriate response? You thought that I was going to get you a diamond ring and, I wrote a song that doesn't rhyme and I cannot sing. So we're now sitting in the aftermath of that total fucking disaster. <laughs> Do I just like go stay at a hotel for the night or like, what's the be- what's the best way to clean up the fragments of those unfulfilled expectations?
2: Well, again, I'm going to circle back one more time that I, <laughs> I think females would be equally guilty in having this unrealistic expectation of what they should have received there. In my opinion, and you know me, I I like to talk. I like to talk things. I, I mean, that's who I am. But I think communication would be the key there. Hey, I wanted diamonds. You wrote me a song. You're a terrible singer. What if instead next year we approached it this way? Or what if instead next week we cut this, pretend like it didn't happen, and we have a really nice evening together? where we turn off everything and just spend time with one another, you know, and kind of rekindle that. Whoops. We, that didn't work. Let's try it again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you're listening to this and you did not tune into that, tune into what Leslie just said, because I think that is so important, not just on Valentine's day, but 365 days a year, because what I see men do You know, it's that transactional analysis of the parent-adult child. And what I see men do in the wake of something like that is they either become the repentant child, I'm so sorry, I should have known better, you know, that sort of thing. Essentially saying, I'm a fucking idiot, please don't dump my ass, (laughs) uh, which is not the best message uh, to send. Or they become the rebellious child where it's like, well, fuck her then. I'm just going to go whatever. And then we go do something completely asinine in the wake of our hurt feelings versus just hanging in there and having that conversation that says, I'm sorry you're disappointed. That song fucking rocked, but I'm sorry (laughs) you're disappointed. Let's talk about where we go from here. And I think rinse and repeat on that model of communication. Stay on that adult level. Stay connected emotionally. Don't apologize because she's fucking tired of how many times you've already said you're sorry with no change. And negotiate that new position. And I think that is just profound insight and advice if, if taken Uh, we'll get massive returns on by our listeners.
2: I think the irony of that is anytime we find ourselves in one of those situations, not speaking specifically to Valentine's day, but anytime we find ourselves in one of those situations where one partner has um, disappointed the other one for whatever reason, we find ourselves in a really bad place and we forget that one hour ago we were madly in love. And Somehow we allow this one disappointment when if you look at your day to day, there's always disappointments. There's, there's ups and downs, but with our relationships, we allow ourselves to fall back and forget that one hour ago we were in love and we let it linger and no one ever thinks to just maybe, and it takes both people. It takes both people's buy-in to say, stop, pause, let's start back over.
0: Other guy, you got more questions or do you, uh, what do you, are you still
1: eager or are you out of your eager state? (laughs) I'm, I'm enthused still. Oh. So you want me to go? Or you, you got something? No, I'm
0: good. You, we're, <laughs> I'm just, I'm
1: shotgun. Okay. <laughs> so we talked about uh, self-care for a guy and that it would be important for him to just ask that question, what it would take for me to improve or to at least put more attention on care for myself. So if I were to come up with a plan to say, here's the things I'd like to do, and then even bounce them off of a friend to say, am I over doing it here, am I leaning towards indulgence or am I really just saying I need a few hours to myself here or there? So, so I've done that work. Now if a guy presents that to his wife in a, in a respectful, but I don't know what word we want to use here, Jeff, but like Assertive? A, assertive, yeah, thank you, that's our word. <laughs> uh, presents that to his wife in an assertive way, saying here's what I like to do, I, I don't need your permission, but I, I would take your feedback, you know. How's that gonna come across? That's, that's my question.
2: (laughs) I'm going to speak personally, you know, personally here, but, um, most of us already take that time and we don't ask permission to do so. We take that time. We already have it. You know, maybe we have a day of the week, maybe it's in the morning, maybe it's once once a month, whatever that may be. If I'm on vacation and I decide that I'm not going to see you for the first three hours today because I'm going to the spa, nobody questions me. It's just something that I do. And I think sometimes men get held up of, okay, well, we're not at work. We should spend all this time together. And while we want to spend time with you, I don't think anybody would question if you came up one day and said, I'm going to start focusing on my self-care just the same as you do. For me, it's every Saturday afternoon. I'm late for almost everything on Saturday evenings. And that's because I'm making time for myself. That's my priority on Saturdays. Nobody questions me. Nobody, you know, my partner doesn't get on me for it. He knows that's what I like to do on Saturday afternoons. So if my partner came to me and said, I want to do that on Sunday afternoon, I think I would, uh, I would get my pom poms out and, and applaud them for doing that because we're already doing it. Yeah. That's good. And you think that,
0: and I don't know if you can speak to this or not, but you would, you would say that would be a typical response from your perspective?
2: I think so. Well, here, here's, here would be the downfall. I guess it's all in, in the presentation here. I, I think there would need to be some explanation. I think if you approach most partners and said, I'm going to work on my self-care and that means I'm going to go drink beer in my friend's garage, it's not going to go over <laughs> well. Right. But if, If you explain that I'm working on self-care and I'm going to take some time to myself to work on a new hobby or to meditate, or I just want to watch some junk TV I haven't seen in a long time, or I want to take a nap or whatever that is. I think if it's approached in the correct manner, absolutely. It just needs to, I, I know there's a lot of insecurities in relationships a lot, So it can't be, I've chosen not to spend time with you. It's I've chosen to spend time with me. That's good.
1: And and if nothing else, it's worth it for a guy to try that. And just like he's going to have to do at Valentine's Day, make adjustments.
0: Well, and I think uh, I'll reiterate a point that Leslie made. I mean, presentation is everything. Uh, 93% of all communication is nonverbal. Preeminently tone of voice, body language, facial expression. And I think it would be good for men to be mindful of their nonverbal communication. Oftentimes, I think, I may get in trouble for this, but but I'll say it this way. What I experience in my practice is that men come in so passive, so apologetic already in their tone of voice. Like, you think maybe it could possibly be sort of maybe if it's, I mean, only, you know, that (laughs) sort of thing. And it's like, well, fuck no, you can't do that. Uh, or then they go to the other side, which is the abusive side. You know, it's just I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want, yeah. and you deal with it. And it's that, it's that being mindful of your nonverbal communication, and approaching it, and communicating that that this is this is important to me. This is something that I'm not asking your permission, but I do want you to understand. I want us to be okay with it. Uh, but presentation, presentation, presentation. And we as men, I don't think spend much time considering nonverbal communication, except when we're shaking each other's hands. And then it's like, fucking ridiculous. Then it's like the coming in hot to show you.
1: It's like, come on, man. Let's work on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That seems like something we need to really research and, and discuss is the whole nonverbal type thing and, and the
0: presentation. It was, a, this was set up for the next podcast. Bro. It's,
1: it's done. It's critical.
0: I mean, I'm always working here, dude. <laughs> I mean, you don't just... Get the shaman status, Greg. Right, right. You earn it.
1: You got more. You done. I, I got. I. I need to let you speak into this a little bit,
0: dude. I, I, I the can. people want. Our international audience has spoken, <laughs> and they say we want to hear more from the other guy. And this would be such a brilliant fucking moment for Rocket Man to start playing in the background.
2: Rocket Man. No, you
0: can't do
1: that fuck, edit that out, Eric. Anyway, well, it didn't sound like I the think you
2: like- have to pay for that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Um, so we found a big problem with uh, relationships is if one party started feeling and exercising superiority uh, and, and even just, gosh, I hate to use that word, but like contempt for the other person. That just seems like an extreme version. But the idea is, if have you seen that case, and, and how do we get around it if you have, of where one person is feeling like, you know, we're not trying to reach the truth here. I'm just trying to get you to understand that I'm right. I mean, that just seems like a bad place to start. So I guess what I wanted you to, to speak about is is how do you deal with that? How do you come to the table all the time saying, uh, you know, we're we're level or— we may vary some, but we equal out and everybody's input is valid. Uh, how can a guy be sure that's going to happen? Sorry for the long question. You know, I really, it's, it's I, one sentence. I don't
2: sentence. know, Greg, I'm going to have to keep listening to to learn that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Uh, oh,
1: because I, you're already superior.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, um, I mean, I think for me, that episode definitely pulled me on a tuesday afternoon a little bit because i i think we've all experienced that whether it was happening to us or we were the one doing that Mm -hmm. um so i don't want to sit back on my high horse and say i haven't done that before but also i know what that feels like when it when it happens to you um and i i think when it does happen maybe you you've kind of let the reins fall down and you're not focusing on what you need to focus on, it's almost like in your head, you you've given up on on a couple areas, and and you need to bring that back in. So I don't know that I have the answer to that. I do know that I think it's reactionary. Um, I don't think you allow yourself to get that way when you truly look at something or feel something or talk about something or experience something. I think it's, in my opinion, when it comes to that, it's a repetitive issue that has come up and come up and come up, and it's never been resolved. Um, And I think that's where that, you know, contempt comes into play, and where we see that most often. And if we allow ourselves to get in the habit of doing that, then it's going to kind of flow over into other issues as well. And it's going to become our normal behavior. And I would say that that's probably one of the most dangerous things in a relationship. And I'm sure the two of you know better than I, but. To me, that's, it's a bad place to be. So I think if there's a way, and I don't know what that is, but if there's a way to acknowledge that and have both parties, whether that's a marriage, a friendship, you know, siblings, et cetera, to acknowledge that's the path we're going down. And to put a firm stop to that and, and be able to say, we're not going to allow ourselves to get to this, we're not going to allow someone to be superior over the other, and, and we're going to keep doing this. And I think, I guess, in my head, that's the downfall. You're going to keep doing it if you don't acknowledge it. So the solution, yeah. I don't know. but acknowledgement, (laughs) I believe that would be the first step.
0: Okay. That's good. Well, and I think there, there, you know, two parts to that on, if I'm the receiver of contempt, I have to recognize it as that. And I have to realize that in this moment, when you're treating me with contempt, I'm not the problem. You're the problem that it's the toxicity of it and I can't and the reason that's important and I want to be I want to be careful with my wording here because I can't let myself get into that emotional space where I'm now feeling shame about who I am so that's why I mean if you're coming at me with contempt I can't let myself start to feel shame about who I am because that's the toxic end result. And so that internal acknowledgement that, oh, this is contempt, Uh, you're in this right now, you're the problem, or I can be the one being contemptuous either way, whoever that is. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but uh, maybe this will change somebody's mind. The research is pretty conclusive. Once someone gets to a place of contempt, that that sense of superiority, moral superiority, it's kind of a point of no return. You know, most marriages don't recover from it. If we're not in that place, you know, maybe we're not at that place in our relationship where it's terminal, I have to disengage. I can't continue in the escalation of it, right? Because now I'm becoming more contemptuous of you or I'm in that shame place. Yeah, yeah. And so, when there's recognition there, there has to be a significant amount of internal work, and that knowledge that things can only get worse from this moment. So it's probably time for me to disengage for this moment, and then reengage at a later point.
1: So even even giving in is not the answer. Uh, the no, that is
0: <laughs> because yeah. it, it. If I give in, then. I'm feeding your contemptuousness and that moral superiority. Well, right, you should fucking give in. You should have given in sooner because I'm right and you're wrong. And I can remember one time vividly, I had a a marriage couple that I was working with, and this guy, one, he had the most fucked up hair. Like he, (laughs) he like blew dry it like straight up. And this guy was like, I don't know. I'd put him in his sixties and he blew dry that shit straight up. It was like a, it was a tall, like, I don't even know what to call it. Yeah. And had to dye it himself. It was such a poor color job. And sometimes when he'd come to session, the shit would still be on his forehead. I don't know. Maybe that's, but it's just like, dude, of anyone to be so contemptuous and, just week after week he had a dear, sweet little wife that was totally committed. She wasn't little, she was just a she was a wonderful woman. I remember him just like nothing's gonna change until she realizes that she's wrong and I'm right. And she'd like, You're right, I'm sorry. I'm like, Fucking don't say that. Stop so we role played this an hour ago. Like, no. And I finally said to him, I hope being right keeps you warm in your divorce, because I'm pretty sure you're gonna be pretty lonely. And <laughs> It, and it just, it was unavoidable. Yeah. I mean, then they ended up getting a divorce and she's gone on and been as happy as she deserved. And yeah. I'm sure he's sitting around feeling right and like he's all the shit uh, and probably still using the same bad hair dye. Anyway.
1: <laughs> well, well uh, I, I, I'd i like to add on to that and you can tell me if this fits or not, but uh, I used to, uh, well, I still do immerse myself in other cultures, whether it's generation or gender or just another another culture you know even in our local community and my purpose was is to find out things that I didn't know um, from people who knew a lot more than I did about something else. So I would change in my mind the parameters and criteria for what I thought was wise and and just get input. And so like, it was a whole different filter. So it could come in, like I'm learning stuff. What I learned wouldn't necessarily work if I took it into my world and used it directly, but it was good stuff. And I, I started doing that in my close relationships. Um, I won't mention any names, <laughs> but my closest one. <laughs> and uh, it's like, okay, whatever's right and wrong here, uh, maybe my, my uh, understanding of the parameters and my measure of whatever criteria I'm using It's not the right one so although i feel intelligent and knowledgeable about the subject my wife is looking at it from a whole different lens and so it's easy enough for me to say or say to myself what can i learn from this and how is it that she so strongly feels that she's right but it it's not at all in line with what i was thinking was right and and that seemed helpful whenever we've done it we end up joking about it because by the time we realize, oh, you were looking at it from this whole different way, and a lot of times I was looking at it wrong. I had the right answer. I just had the wrong question. But <laughs> I'm wondering if if that's a way to do that, to say, well, maybe by your standards, you are right, and let's sort that out. It gets
0: dicey, and one of the things that can make it dicey is what we call relational narcissism. When someone says, well, you should just know. If anyone ever says, you should just know... At least in that moment, they're a narcissist. <laughs> no, I fucking shouldn't because I don't, I'm genetically dissimilar than you. I mostly have had different experiences than you. Yeah. I'm fucking trying my best over here and I don't know because if <laughs> I did, I would have done it right. So I would say with that caveat, as long as that sort of relational narcissism, well, you should just know what I, you should just know these sorts of things. You've got to make sure that that's not there. And then I think you can bump it over to that cooperative kind of exchange that you're talking about is, Hey, I'm, I actually am trying to love you here. Like, (laughs) uh, not trying to be a hemorrhoid, not trying to just piss you off, still hoping to get laid like hey, can I'm really trying here. And when it's on that cooperative plane, then I think that's the exact right okay. approach in terms of okay, I'm not understanding this from your perspective. It's, and again, we're staying out of that right-wrong power struggle. Yeah. It's not, oh, I'm sorry, I did it wrong. Tell me, you know, it's not that. It's like, okay, you've got a perspective here that I, that is is I'm eluding me. Help me understand that perspective so that I can meet your expectation, and then I think you can accomplish that end. Oh, I like that a lot. That's shaman shit right there.
1: <laughs> That's when I'm not you're...
0: even trying.
1: <laughs> One hand's tied behind your back. That's right. So um, are we good or you got more? Uh, no, I, I think I've bothered Leslie enough with all this. Well, Eric just no. came,
0: Eric, Eric just said that the uh, guy that said, we want to hear more of that other guy called and said, That's we've funny. heard enough of that other guy.
2: <laughs> I'll let you know the feedback. Okay.
0: <laughs> so, so in short, if I can summarize, Leslie, what I'm hearing you say is we haven't fucked things up too badly so far. Mm-mm. And... You appreciate the direction of the podcast. Correct and the how more emphasis on the how to do that would be beneficial to to anyone and everyone out there.
2: Absolutely. And I think even this evening was exciting because I think it was more applying to real life situations, even of if this comes up, exactly what the two of you just did. If this comes up, what do I do? And I think it would be really exciting. If these things are encountered in our day-to-day lives, instead of kind of the deer in the headlights look or, you know, our go-to reaction of anger, it's, you know, we used our words, we used our communication skills and, and we overcame those things. And I don't think anybody's expecting that overnight, but I think you guys are down a really great path to maybe, again, give people the tools to get started.
0: All right, Leslie, thank you. We have needed a check and balance in the system just to make sure that we weren't too far off track. I think uh, that has been incredibly useful. Yes, definitely. And uh, if it's okay with you, we may call on your um, expertise from time to time just to make sure that this thing is uh, still going in the right direction because Greg's mostly occupied, as we know, (laughs) trying to keep the motherfucker on the road. (laughs) So every now and then you might be our GPS that says, Hey boys, you're going in the wrong fucking
1: direction. <laughs> you're on the road, but it's not Well,
2: right you know, thing. you'll always get my honest opinion and All that's right.
0: what we're in it for. So, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you back again. Uh, and many, many more times.
2: All right. Well, thank you both. Um, I'm excited for what you're doing.
0: Awesome. Right. Tell Ken Otto, his wings are, Delicious and I hope he saved me some. <laughs>
2: I'll pass that on. <laughs> All right.
0: See you Leslie.
2: Bye.
1: I think she was definitely worthy of being on an international podcast. I think she so. brought it. Yeah. I mean, was that the
0: that was your first Lester experience. So uh is that uh did
1: she hold her own or Oh absolutely. Yeah. I mean anybody that can talk back and forth with you is really putting it out it's there. That's with good. me, dude. You were <laughs> chatty as fuck
0: tonight. Do you have some Goddamn caffeine or something you did didn't you yeah well it was decaf I can always there's tell caffeine when you got just a hint of caffeine because it's like damn have you been shooting heroin or something but no got you a little caffeine
1: yeah. i was eager and enthused today you saw it it came out jeez
0: I, 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 I duly warned i will note to self um all right dude so uh Next go around, you're thinking this nonverbal communication needs a little more attention. Is that what you're Yeah.
1: Yeah. We don't want to mess everything up with that, you know, by not paying attention to that. So let's look into that. All right. And as always, the first step in finding
0: those balls that you've lost so long ago is hitting that like button and giving us a five-star rating, whether we deserve it or not, because that's what it takes to be man-made. Talk to you next time.